Arsenal come out on top at the GTEC Community Stadium to book their place in the next round of the Carabao Cup. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hey everybody, how's it going? Hope you're good. Hope you are well. I'm here at the GTEC Community Stadium with the famous headphones. The famous headset uh, is with me as we react uh, to this one. Of course, the Gunners um, come here tonight making wholesale changes. Eight changes to the starting eleven from Mikel Arteta today. Um, but Arsenal had enough and did enough on the night to get through and book their place in the next round. Now, at the time of recording this, we're still waiting to hear who we get in the next round. The draw is due to take place very, very soon. So if that comes out while we're live here, then please do update me in the chat box and we'll give you uh, some instant reaction to that as well. Um, remember, if you haven't done so already, leave a like on the video, subscribe, all the rest of it. You know the drill by now. And I'm going to do my best as much as I possibly can to bring you these uh, reactions, uh, live streams from the stadiums wherever possible. Um, I've just been down in the tunnel. I've just spoken to Mikel Arteta um, after the game. He was, uh, he was asked a couple of interesting questions and, and Mikel Arteta was, well, Mikel Arteta. We'll get into that in a little bit. But let's start with the team news. Um, Aaron Ramsdale came back into the side and responded in exactly the way I'd expect Aaron Ramsdale to respond and in exactly the way that Mikel Arteta said he would, to be fair. Um, I thought he was brilliant throughout. I thought he made, obviously, that really, really important save towards the end of the game where he tipped Johan Visser's effort onto the post. But I also thought his distribution tonight was really, really good. It was as if, uh, you know, he'd listened to all the chat in the media about Raya being better when it comes to distribution and thought, you know what, I'm going to prove pe to people that I can do it. I'm going to prove to people that I'm at the same level when it comes to that particular aspect of my game. And I thought he did exactly that. And um, when I saw the team come out, I have to say, I thought that Ben White was going to move into centre-half with Gabriel. That's a partnership um, that we've seen in the heart of our defence before. But instead, Mikel Arteta opted to keep Ben White in the right-back position and put Takahiro Tomiyasu in at centre-back alongside Gabriel. And I thought he looked pretty solid, to be fair. Jakub Kivior came in at left-back and then it was a midfield trio of uh, Jorginho um, sitting at the base with Kai Havertz and Emile Smith-Rowe sitting either side. Now, Emile Smith-Rowe um, has had to wait a long, long time for an opportunity to start a game for the Gunners. And listen, in an ideal world, he'd prefer to start in the Premier League or in the Champions League. But he had to take the opportunity that was given to him tonight. And I thought in the first half, he did. In the first half, I thought he was excellent. Um, and he was at the heart of all the good things that Arsenal did, I thought. Uh, played really, really well, got on the ball, looked confident, looked sharp, looked fit. I think in the second half, it's fair to say that his performance faded a little bit. And I just asked Mikel Arteta down in the tunnel what he thought uh, of Emil Smith-Rowe's performance today. And he said that in the first half, he looked great. In the second half, he said um, he struggled a little bit because the game state didn't really suit his qualities. Uh, that was how Mikel Arteta summed it up. So, um, yeah. Um, you know, we'll we'll talk a little bit more about him. We'll discuss Kai Havertz in a bit as well, because, of course, that's going to be a talking point. It, it feels like it is after every single game. So why would that change um, this time around? So we'll get into that. Uh, we'll talk about Charles Sago Jr., who got a go on the right-hand side, his Arsenal first-team debut. How did he get on? Eddie Nketiah was tasked with leading the line. And, of course, Reese Nelson um, operated from the left-hand side for the Gunners. Um, look, 
when you come to a place like this, it's always going to be difficult. Brentford had a really bad result last weekend and a really poor performance. Um, Thomas Frank had spoken in the build-up about the need for Brentford to bounce back. And I don't think he got the response he was hoping for in the first half. Brentford only made two changes. And given the injuries that they have and the problems that they have and the size of their squad, I actually thought that Thomas Frank would make more changes than he actually did. So pretty surprised when I saw their lineup. But look, from Thomas Frank and Brentford's point of view, I mean, there's no worse thing than starting a game the way they did in terms of making an early mistake. And Arsenal were good enough and were sharp enough uh, to take advantage of that. It was seven or so minutes in when a misplaced back pass put Eddie and Ketia in behind. Um, he looked up, he rolled it across the box to Reese Nelson, who had made that run in off that left-hand side. And, you know, even then, I thought Nathan Collins had a really good opportunity to sort of hack the ball clear and he failed to do it. And when it came to Nelson, he showed that he can be cold-blooded in front of goal and he tucked it away in the bottom corner to give Arsenal the lead. On 31 minutes, the Gunners uh, had a really, really good opportunity. Again, this time, Emil Smith-Rowe involved in the move. Uh, Jorginho was involved in the move. The pair combined excellently around about the edge of the penalty area. And when Emil Smith-Rowe broke into the box, he got his shot off and it was saved by Mark Flecken. The only real effort of note that Brentford had, actually, they probably had two. There was a shot um, that was uh, poorly cleared, actually. Well, the ball initially was poorly cleared by Ben White. It fell to Yanel on the edge of the box, not really renowned for goal scoring. He fired towards goal and it was blocked by Takahiro Tomiyasu. Um, but the, the real chance, I think, that Brentford created in the first period was one that fell to Johan Visser on around about 34, 35 minutes where he fired wide uh, of Ramsdale's left-hand post from a Collins cross. He really ought to have worked the goalkeeper, although in the form that Aaron Ramsdale was in tonight, you wouldn't have bet against him uh, saving it. I can see that you guys are filtering through the draw to me here. That's what I want to see. Uh, we'll get to that in a little bit. So at half time, I thought Arsenal had played some silky stuff at times. Arsenal looked really, really comfortable, never really looked under threat. Often when you come away to a place like this, you have to weather that early storm. We always say that. Um, but on this occasion, you felt like Arsenal were in complete control. You go in at the break, you hope that it's going to continue that way. And then the second half was very, very different. Now, I asked Thomas Frank just now what he said at half time, or, or, or if he could give me some idea of what he did at the break, because it completely changed. The pendulum swung in Brentford's favour. And actually, throughout the second half, they were the better team. And probably in the end, a little bit unlucky not to have found an equalising goal. As I say, Aaron Ramsdale made a wonderful, wonderful save. Um, there was a really good chance for Keane Lewis-Potter as well, coming in off the left-hand side. He fired it back across goal and it was destined, I thought, for the far corner until Jakob Kivior popped up uh, and made a special, special block. Um, you know, in the second half as an attacking force, I don't think Arsenal offered much at all. Um, that's my kind of overall... Uh, sort of assessment of the 90 minutes. And remember, we'll bring you uh, a full-length episode of the podcast again, of course, tomorrow. And we'll probably get into it in a little bit more detail once I've had a chance to watch the game back. Um, this is an instant reaction. I am pushed for time as well because I need to get out of here uh, before they kick me out. Uh, but anyway, um, just wanted to touch on a, a few players. I've mentioned Aaron Ramsdale already. I've waxed lyrical about him already. And I just think, like, what a character, what a man, what a response. And to see that from a player who's been under fire in the media, you would argue, or it's almost been it's almost been made out as though Aaron Ramsdale hasn't done anything good for Arsenal in the time that he's been here. And actually, um, you know, 
he was always going to lose his place to David Raya. For us, Arsenal fans, people that followed him closely during his time at this club, I think a lot of us felt that that could be happening because of Raya's arrival. But deep down, I think we were all a little bit surprised with the ruthlessness that Mikel Arteta showed in taking him out of the team and, and putting him to one side, essentially, forcing him to miss the first game back in the Champions League, a Champions League co uh, competition that he um, played a massive part in getting us back into. You know, he, he missed the North London derby. You, you felt for him at the time. But to come in and perform like that, you know what it does? It shuts a lot of people up because there were people that were mocking Aaron Ramsdale at the weekend that claimed and suggested that his applause of David Raya's save and all the rest of it was nothing more than playing up for the cameras, nothing more than playing games. Aaron Ramsdale you know, has shown incredible character tonight and I'm absolutely delighted for him. He did nearly lose the ball when he had it at his feet at one stage in the first half, mind you. But generally speaking, brilliant, brilliant performance. Um, I want to talk a little bit about um, Emil Smith-Rowe in general. I thought that, as I said, his first half performance was pretty good. In the second half, he did drop off a little bit, but I wonder how much of that was down to fitness as well. Mikel Arteta told me, as I say, that he felt that the, the way the game changed in the second half, it wasn't really suited to... Emil Smith-Rowe's skill set, but I thought he was pretty anonymous in the second half. And I, I was watching him closely. He was positioned right down here in front of me in that second period. And I just I, I just didn't see that same intensity, that same movement, that same energy in his game. Uh, and so, look, when you haven't started many games, any games of late, when you've only been coming on and making brief cameo appearances, your match sharpness, no matter how much you do on the training ground, isn't going to be at the level that it could be. And I think that was partly why um, Emil Smith-Rowe probably struggled in that second half. But based on his first half performance, when you look at that, you look at what Kai Havertz is producing in that left eight position. You look at what Fabio Vieira is producing in that left eight position. You know, because so far this season, it's been between them two, Havertz and Vieira, who's going to play at number eight. Actually, based on the first half display from Emil Smith-Rowe, he has to be in that conversation now. He has to be in the equation. Um, as far as I'm concerned, it was almost like I'd forgotten how exciting it is to watch Emil Smith-Rowe play football because he's been out for so long. He's been on the peripheries. He's been someone that, you know, obviously suffered the injury that he did, um, then struggled to get back into a team that was performing pretty well overall. Um, and he almost became the forgotten man. And actually, when you think back to, um, you know, a couple of seasons ago, he was a key, key player, not even that far back. You don't even have to go that far back. He was a key, key component for Arsenal playing off that left-hand side. So, yeah, maybe it was a case of being the forgotten man a little bit. But I think he's got to be in the conversation now. I thought Eddie Nketiah had a good game up top today um, in terms of his work rate, putting himself about the energy, running the channels. I thought he dropped into positions that allowed the space for Reese Nelson to drift inside, for example. Um, I don't think he was massively helped by a young uh, Charles Sago Jr., who look, will be absolutely buzzing with the fact that he's made his Arsenal debut. Um, congratulations to him. He must have been chuffed. Um, I'd heard from sort of the Arsenal media team earlier that we had to make sure we called him Charles Sago Jr. because uh, his mum had been on to them uh, about that. And uh, and uh, that they want to make sure that his full name uh, is, uh, of course, uh, put across a bit of an underwhelming performance from him, I would say. But that's not to say that you should beat the kid up about it. You know, he's probably a little bit overwhelmed. Um, you know, probably a little bit starstruck. Not starstruck, but it, 
you know, it's, it's difficult, isn't it? The occasion can overwhelm you, I think, when you're making your debut. It wasn't a bad performance by any stretch of the imagination, but I think he'll look back on it if he's critical of himself and say, I could have done just a little bit more. I did feel like at times there was a reluctance to work the ball out to him, particularly when Ben White had it. Um, I'm not saying there's anything in that, but it, it certainly did catch my attention and uh, and catch my eye. Um, moving on, I wanted to talk a little bit about Kai Havertz. We've got to, haven't we? Um, there'll be lots of debate about Kai Havertz's performance again. There'll be lots of discussion in the build-up to this game. I said that I wanted to see him play and that I was desperate for him to get on the score sheet. He didn't look like getting on the score sheet at any point in this game. And again, I'll go back to the point I've made before. He's playing as a midfielder now, so you need to judge him as a midfielder. But I just, you know, I wanted more. I wanted to see him really grab the game by the scruff of the neck. I know he's got a language style. We talk about it all the time. But I want to see more now from Kai Havertz. I'm getting to the point now where I'm starting to think, have we, or has Mikel Arteta, because I don't think we have, I think we've said all along that he is more a forward than anything else, but has Mikel Arteta misprofiled him? And if he has, then I think he needs to change the use of him and the way he's using him quickly, because if he doesn't, um, he's only mounting up the pressure on his player. Because all the criticism is going to be of Kai Havertz. Very few people have sat and said, actually, the reason that Kai Havertz is struggling or, or one of the reasons he could be struggling is because he's playing in a position that does not suit his skill set. I done a piece last week, which went really well. A lot of people um, reached out to me about that one. I was really chuffed with, with some of the responses where I tried to break down the different things he's being asked to do. And I still believe that that is what Kai Havertz is tasked with. But, you know, is that the best use of this player? I think that the times he's looked at his best in Arsenal colours, and granted that he hasn't had many opportunities in this position, have been at centre-forward. When he played in the, the Community Shield final, and I hate harping back to that game all the time, he played at centre-forward and he linked up play well, gave us a focal point, and I thought had a decent game. When he's gone into the centre-forward position in-game at times, I think he's looked better. I just think that He's not the ball of energy that we need in the midfield. He certainly doesn't have the defensive nous in terms of protecting us on the transition unless he's committing fouls um, that Granit Xhaka would have had. And that obviously works against him. But clearly, um, you know, Mikel Arteta wants to change the profile of the player that plays in that position. Um, football friends in the chat says, imagine being someone who wanted us to sign him. Cough, Harry, cough, Harry. Yeah, I did want us to sign him. But if you go back to the podcast that we put out when we signed him, and our members will know because there's a special members podcast titled, Where Will Kai Havertz Fit In At Arsenal? I talked a lot about the fact that he brings us versatility in the attacking positions, that in any of the three attacking positions, I'd be happy for him to be cover and back up or in the instance that we were chasing a goal in the game, then throw him into midfield to give us that little bit of extra forward thinking. But to be starting him in games like that, you know, is something I was willing to give time to and I was willing to be patient with. But actually, I think the more we see it, it's, you know, the more we can see it's not really working and something needs to change there. Something needs to give. Um, and I feel sorry for Kai Havertz because every week when he's put in this position, he is going to get hammered by the Arsenal fan base. But the truth is that I think he's been misprofiled. And it's not often that I criticise Mikel Arteta when it comes to recruitment or profiling the players. But I think on this occasion, 
might just have got this one wrong and something needs to change there. I'm going to watch the game back um, and I'm going to analyse it a little bit deeper and we'll bring you some more reflections on that uh, on a podcast uh, tomorrow, of course. Um, but I just wanted to bring you guys uh, some initial thoughts uh, of course, here from the stadium. Um, I'm going to keep it really, really brief, guys, just because, um, as I said, I have to get out of the community, uh, the GTEC Community Stadium before it closes. Here you go. You can have a, a look at the pitch. Some of you asking me, how did I watch the game tonight? I was here uh, in the flesh, um, which was amazing. But yeah, um, anyway, uh, let's do some player ratings before uh, we sign off. I'm trying to think if there's anybody else that I wanted to speak about that I haven't. Oh, yeah. What I will say on Kai Havertz before I go um, is that I've got two points to make, actually, before we do the player ratings and then quickly um, head out of here. So first point on Kai Havertz is for the lack of impact that he had in an attacking sense, he helped us defend set pieces on numerous occasions to really, really good effect. I think in the first half, he made three or four clearances due to his size, his height. Um, and that was of benefit to us. So he's not completely useless in the defensive capacity. He brings something there. And I think that's part of why he gets the nod in certain games ahead of Fabio Vieira at this moment in time. I think that is part of it. And I think that's why he came on when Declan Rice went off uh, the other day against Tottenham as well, because if you lose Declan Rice's height and ability in those areas, then you need someone else uh, who can contribute in that way. And Fabio Vieira just isn't going to do that. Um, I also um, want to talk a little bit about the overall performance in terms of whenever in the past Mikel Arteta would make wholesale changes. He made eight changes tonight and we'd seen that before in the Europa League, you know, sometimes seven, sometimes six, sometimes eight. Um, what we always tended to find was disjointed performances off the back of that. Players that don't play with each other uh, week in, week out. Players that are lacking match sharpness. Players that are, match, uh, are lacking competitive match practice. I thought what we saw today, though, was um, a little bit more cohesion and a little bit more um, sort of quality, basically. And, and you know, defensively in the first half, we certainly didn't have any problems. Offensively, we looked pretty sharp as well, although we didn't create too many clear-cut chances. Um, and in the second half, you know, we defended well when we had to. I thought Arteta actually managed the game really well, making the changes that he did, reverting us back to a back five. Uh, Wandering Minstrel says uh, they made a few changes as well. They only made two changes to their starting eleven, to their best eleven. I've been here a lot over the last couple of years uh, to report on Brentford games in the Premier League. And I can tell you this is a really difficult place to come, generally speaking. I know they had a bad result at the weekend, but they are a difficult, difficult side to deal with at times um, when they go direct, when they're physical. And they did that in the second half. It caused us problems, but we had enough to get over the line. We had enough to come off the bench and help us as well. Right. If I just uh, run through my player ratings before I disappear uh, out of the stadium, Aaron Ramsdale, I'm going to give Aaron Ramsdale a nine out of ten. I thought he did everything pretty much spot on tonight and I'm delighted for him. Uh, ben White, I'm going to give him a 7 out of 10. I don't think he was bad, but I don't think he was outstanding either. I thought he looked really tired in the North London derby and I was surprised actually that he started the game today. Did okay and then obviously was taken off. Oh my God, the floodlights are dimming. Uh, Gabriel Magalhaes, I'm going to give him an 8. I thought he did everything excellently. Um, was a real unit for us defensively, making important clearances and... Um, very alert and switched on to Brentford's idea of putting the ball in the channels for Brian and Buemo to run onto. 
Emil Smith-Rowe, I'm doing this in the order of the team sheet, so it's in number order if you're wondering why I'm jumping around. Emil Smith-Rowe, I'm going to give him a seven. And the only reason I'm going to give him a seven and not higher is because in the second half, he completely uh, dropped off, I thought. Eddie and Ketia, I'm going to give him a seven and a half. Uh, I thought he, he worked tirelessly, but maybe he was just missing that bit of quality at certain moments in the game. Uh, Jakob Kivior, for me, uh, I'm going to give him uh, a seven and a half as well. thought he did everything well and made that massive, massive clearance for us late on in the game. Takahiro Tomiyasu, for me, uh, seven and a half as well. thought he defended uh, really, really well. Might push that up to an eight. I'm not sure. Seven and a half. Jorginho, I'm going to give an eight. What a way to bounce back after the mistake he made the other day. He was excellent, I thought. Really, really good. Um, lost the ball once in the first half, but generally speaking, really calm and composed in possession and was willing to receive the ball in tight spaces and get us out when we were in difficult situations. Reese Nelson, I'm going to give Reese Nelson an eight as well. Thought he was really, really good. Obviously scored the winning goal as well. Kai Havertz, I'm going to give him a six. Sorry. Um, and Charles Sago Jr., I'm going to give him a six as well. Um, but with him, there's nothing bad about that. He's a young kid getting his first go. Um, I'm not going to do the subs because, as I say, I'm going to get chucked out in a minute. The floodlights have dimmed. Look, you can see. So uh, better get out of here and I'll catch you all tomorrow with a full length episode. Thank you so much. Catch you soon. Uh, have a good evening. Where's the outro video? Here it is. Goodbye. I'm Martin Tyler and you're listening to Harry Simeon.